Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 50 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. And yeah, so here we are. Sorry, Jacob. Sometimes I just have nothing. I have nothing to lead with. That- I'm just... I'm just tired and empty. You have gone complete Zen warrior with it because in not having anything, you actually have the perfect opening there, Michelle. Is that? Yep. Whoa. You did it without even trying. You're deep today. Well, I can say, very excitingly, I don't know if you heard me mention, but we made it all the way to episode 50. (laughs) My God, what is that? I can't. I couldn't find just like a regular <laughs> trumpet. <laughs> uh, we should. Are we changing the theme song of the show <laughs> to just that trumpet? We could. Just my mood just increased so much just by hearing that little horn. Well, since it, I brought it up, I like to immediately bring it down. I think we'd be remiss to not mention what a terrible November this has been for fanboys everywhere. It's because not been good. Not only did we lose Stan Lee. But Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, just died. Oh, just right? horrible all around. I mean, I feel like they're just there's just young <laughs> men rushing to protect the creators of Rick and Morty like <laughs> yeah. immediately. Somebody find Matt Stone and Trey Parker's stat. Do they still count? Yeah, they still count. Okay. Ish. Their show's still good. I mean, I figure they're all watching Adventure Time, or I don't know. I watched one episode of that show, and I was like, "What? Yeah, is this well, for children?" I actually, yeah, I like I like Adventure Time. I think Adventure Time's a fun show. That seems appropriate. Um, okay, so this week we watched a new movie, and we did. We, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, so, Black Klansman. It was yeah, the new movie by Spike Lee. Yes. Starring John David Washington. Is that his name? Because I kind of was trying to remember it before the show there. Denzel Jr.? Denzel Jr. (laughs) So. (laughs) Denzel Jr. Should I do a synopsis before you? Because I can tell you are itching. I am, yeah. You're itching. Okay, so. It was the Cannes Grand Prix winner. And it is based on a true story, which is crazy. That's and real insane after watching <laughs> seriously. this movie. So it takes place in the early 1970s. And Ron Stallworth, who as Jacob said is played by John David Washington, is the first African-American detective to serve in the Colorado Springs Police Department. And he's really determined to make a name for himself. For himself. So he sets out on a dangerous mission. Which is to infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. So he recruits um, another colleague, Flip Zimmerman, played by Adam Driver, which I can't wait to talk about because he was good. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's been in a little renaissance lately. He's a pretty hot guy in Hollywood right now. Definitely. So he adds him as an undercover investigation, and you know, together they kind of team up to take down this extreme uh, hate group. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to play a clip from it because he's the one who starts it off. And um, as as an African-American, you're just immediately like, what's this now? How, yeah, how is this going to work What's out? going on? All right, let me put that on. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish. 
Italians and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it starts off strong. It seems like a great idea for this black man to call the KKK. And What could you know, possibly go wrong in that yeah, scenario? So he has to, like I said, the Adam Driver plays the white detective who plays, you know, the Ron Stallworth is the character on the phone, and then Adam Driver is playing Ron Stallworth in real life. It's really convoluted, mm-hmm. but it's really good. I felt like the film was, I mean, not only just astonishing. I was like, this happened, but it was really funny. And important. Yeah, so you, you liked it? Oh, yes, I did. Uh, oh, very much so. I can't believe... Okay, so first of all, when I was watching it, like five seconds into watching John David Washington, I was like, oh, that guy seems a lot like a young Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, it checks out. He sounds like him. He looks like him. Like, that's weird. So I Googled him, and I was like, oh, it's Denzel Washington's son. First of all, made Makes me feel... Sense. Made me feel real old, because I had no idea that Denzel Washington had kids that old. Well, yeah, Denzel's yeah. old. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then I felt doubly stupid because then I looked up his thing and said, oh, he's on Ballers. And I'm like, wait a minute. I watch Ballers. Who is he on Ballers? <laughs> you don't even. And you're like, all messed up. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's the second lead of the show who's been on it the entire time. And I was like, Jacob. oh, my God. That's like, not good. That, no, that's not But now you good. know. Now you're, now you're in the know. So, yeah, a great Spike Lee film. Yeah. yeah. Some very, you know, um, predictable Spike Lee shots, but not in a bad way. In yeah. the way that we've all come to love. We had like the dolly shot yeah, at the do- end where they're like sliding across. He does love that dolly shot. I, he must have somebody on staff that's just that's just that's, that's, that's their, just that's their, their role. But um, yeah, I mean, and it was shot really well. Like it had a lot of the uh, long lens, like long take shots, which I think look really good. Um, the cinematographer Chase Irvin, um, I think he did a really good job and. Really good production design and costume design. Oh, it definitely had it looked. A, it looked it like fantastic. the seventies. Yeah, everything about this movie was just like looked awesome. Yeah. Also, I like when Spike Lee has a tendency to make more crowd-friendly movies where they're a little bit more popcorn, like sit down and actually enjoy a movie. I feel like he's really good at doing that. Well, yeah, even if it's a kind of like a high-tension topic, he never totally like directs you how to feel. Like, okay, like like a good example, I think, is he has a lot of mirror images in this one. So there's a lot of Ron's relationship with the student activist Patrice, Patrice mm-hmm. and like their growing relationship, but it's shadowed by those like creepily affectionate scenes with the white supremacist couple while they're like cuddling in bed conspiring on like who they should kill and then there's a lot of like the declaration of the police officers are saying how they're family and they're going to always stick together you know through right or wrong which kind of chimes in with like the clan's own twisted code so it really kind of echoes a central debate about I don't know whether change can be affected from within the system and i feel like there's a lot of times he also kind of pointed out that these groups are kind of the same even if they don't want to admit it because there was another scene later with the ku klux klan doing having a meeting and then like a black panther kind of uh, meeting as well and they're layered right on top of each other and they're really saying the exact same thing absolutely they had one group like crying white power and another group crying black power and the way that he yeah pointedly intercut them um it was kind of i think ricocheting his whole message of power to all the people which i think spike lee does really really well it's it's like the main focus of a lot of his movies is what he's trying to get across but oh such a and i do want to talk about about the ending which is no spoilers but we have to kind of bring it up because i don't 
I think maybe you did not support this as much as I did. So the the film's coda ends up showing footage of the incident in Charlottesville, which cost oh, Heather yes. Heyer her life, which I think he actually dedicated the film to. Um, and I think it was a big deal, too, because when this film actually opened, it opened on the anniversary of that event. Oh, did it really? Yeah. Oh, I so he that. has, like, a lot of the raw footage. Um, it's definitely, like, I think a Spike Lee trademark, kind of that people mover shot. Like, he just really excels in that. But I don't know. It's I thought it was a fantastic reminder that we are not very far removed from a period piece, which we just watched. See, and my thing with it was, I was like, yeah, we know that because we just watched this entire movie that was telling that story. You just gave us a two-hour movie that's telling that exact same thing. We don't need... I know, but it's not... It wasn't a movie taking place today. It's showing, like, look how long ago this was. Oh, wait. It's still happening today. Like, extra bummer. Well, extra bummer, yeah. I just... Sometimes I'm... He's done this before. He did it in Malcolm X where he has the movie, and it's an amazing movie, but then he tacks on an extra little bit of, like, modern-day stuff, and I'm like, why are you doing that? You made a... both period movies now that I'm thinking about it Mm -hmm. but you made this great period movie so now you're sucking me out of the narrative we just watched and smashing me back into reality and it's like it's unnecessary a little bit I see what you're saying but I mean I thought it was like the most moving part of the thing like I ended the film in tears well Spike Lee's an excellent documentarian we're we're, going to talk about a couple of his documentaries because they are he's really good at making those so yeah definitely so but Black Klansman, it is available at the library. Absolutely check it out. Oh, it's a heavy recommend. It's, we, it sounds like it's a serious movie, and it is, but there is a lot of hilarity to be had watching this it's film. It's just absurd. You're like, this what? Yeah. This How did this happen? This worked? This actually, this is a whole issue. This actually yeah. happened. Because like, they put that right at the beginning. This happened, no matter how ridiculous <laughs> you need it seems. to believe it. Yeah, so really good film. And... You know, after we saw that, and we've been talking a lot about Spike Lee and his importance in filmmaking, so we thought we would kind of dedicate the rest of the episode to Mr. Uh, Shelton Jackson Lee. Oh, his <laughs> name's Shelton, really? Yeah, oh, Spike's. I could see Spike's why he changed name. it to Spike. Yeah. So, yeah, so Spike Lee, born 1957. Um, I'd say pretty much a household name. He's produced over 35 films since 1983. Did you know he was born in New York? He was not. That's untrue. What? It's not? Where's no. he born? He's Mr. Brooklyn, Lies. but he, he was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Lies. Totally Lies, true. Shelton. <laughs> I mean, he he's definitely like, I think that surprises people because you think it shocks he's from Brooklyn. me. I'm just finding that out now, and I'm like, that is, ooh. Yeah. Talk about cultural appropriation, am I right? <laughs> no, you're totally <laughs> wrong. Can't stand you. So his first film was She's Gotta Have It, which came out in 1985 with a budget of $175,000. And when the film was released, it grossed over $7 million. That's a good return on investment right there. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> like, pretty good. Um, I, I think for- that's a TV show now, isn't it? She's what? Got, she's got to have it. I oh, think I think I have seen that. I think I made the TV series now, so it's still making them money to this day. Oh, cool. And also, in case anyone is unsure, he is alive because the the well, New yeah. Zealand's Herald. He just had a movie came out. It was called Black Clan. Well, Planet. New Zealand Herald just posted um, when Stan Lee died that it was Spike Lee who died. Whoa. <laughs> yep. They had a front page obituary for Spike Lee. So that, That's an awkward way. I hope, I they hope also was... said he was dead at 95. So I think he was probably like, 
pardon me? Like, that is not correct. I kind of hope he was in Australia and had a real existential crisis <laughs> yeah. when he picked up the newspaper in the morning. Am I here? Yeah. Yes. What's going on? Um, so, yeah, I thought we could talk about some of his films uh, that we love and chitty chat about them. That There's enough things I haven't seen, so I'll be fully shamed throughout this episode, which yeah. I know that there's makes gonna, you happy. But I, It does, but it's going to make me feel ridiculous because there's some real stupid movies that he's made that I've enjoyed that I've seen a whole ton of times. That holds up to oh. everything that we've learned yeah. in 50 episodes <laughs> with each other, so it's I think like that's the, fine. It's like the whole thesis behind this show is that whole concept right there. All right, let's start with one that I think will be the one that we kind of talk about the most, um, just his incendiary profile of racial tension and police overreaction. Da, 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 da. Oh, I should have done the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, you should have brought the trumpet back. <laughs> Do the right thing. Ah, that came out in the summer of 1989, taking its title from a Malcolm X quote. And I feel like most people, a lot of, a lot of people get this confused as this is his first movie, but you know, it's Yeah, not. because I feel like this, well, but the last one made seven million, so I can't even say this, you know, put him on the map. No, he was already a name, This is obviously. the one that's on like the critic lists of films that you that you have to see before you die. So quick synopsis, it takes place over the course of the hottest day um, on a block in uh, Brooklyn. What is it? What was that neighborhood? It's like Bedford. Uh, I can't remember. Bedford I seen, Stewie I seen or something like that. Yeah. But Spike Lee is in the film. He plays Mookie, a 25-year-old who's kind of just meandering through life, but he really wants to get paid. So he works at the local Italian pizzeria sales. Um, where, I mean, most of the neighborhood eats and hangs out. Sure. Um, so I really like the, the day is really hot. So this movie, just so you're prepared, has a lot of deep reds and yellows, like almost the whole film. But it helps reflect kind of the tension between this uh, Italian pizza owner, Sale, played by Danny Aiello. Is that how you say his name? Danny Aiello. Aiello. Yeah. Danny Oscar Aiello. nominee for this film. Aiello. Was he really? Yeah, he was nominated oh. for it. And then um, Bugging Out who's kind of like the self-appointed neighborhood spokesperson and bugging out is in the pizzeria and he ends up questioning the lack of representation of black people on the walls of the pizzeria, which serves mostly a black uh, clientele. So he kind of asks Sal why that why there are no brothers on the wall and he responds like Sal gets really upset and this whole thing ends up leading to a protest that ends in uh, police brutality and the loss of black white life. Yeah, it's not entirely a happy movie but uh, you know it doesn't towards the end is when it starts to get kind of no dark. but then it's a pretty good comedy but it has moments there's a lot of talk about it. i'm going to play a, a quick clip of uh kind of the scene that really starts what the whole film is going to be about okay. Mookie. So you're not still what come get no brothers up on the wall man ask sal right hey, hey sal how come we got no brothers up on the wall here you want brothers on the wall get your own place you can do what you want to do you can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want, you see? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Take it easy, man. Huh? And you, hey, don't stop me today. What? Yeah, that might be fine, Sal, but uh, you, you own this. Rarely do I see any American Italians eating in here. All I see is black folks. So since we spend much money here, we do have some sex. So this was a film where Lee really fought to get the story told on his own terms. And I know that he kind of exchanged larger financial support for his artistic vision. 
So he did it under budget because he was like, no, I won't I won't take this money from studios who wanted him to kind of change things. That's kind of a method he's continued like later on in his career. He does that with a lot of his movies. And I think now. that's a difficult decision to make as an early filmmaker. Instead of just being like, well, I need to get some things out there. He was like, no, this needs to be true to my vision. And it was inspired by a real life incident, which happened in 1986. It was called the Howard Beach incident, where a black man, Michael Griffiths, was killed while escaping an angry white mob with baseball bats after exiting a new park pizzeria um they had earlier this group had saw him and they were trying to chase him out of the neighborhood for being black so when this story came out this was one that lee drew on to write uh do the right thing uh, well, so just, see still stuff we got to deal with these days and that's so. just it i mean this story i rewatched this film recently and it's so sadly familiar 30 years after it came out so the film itself, it's really smart. It's vibrant. Um, it has that kind of urgent feel without being didactic, which, again, I think Spike Lee is just really, really good at. Like One of the, the main strengths of the film is the complexity of the characters and his representation of blackness on the screen. So he has moved beyond stereotypes of African-Americans in cinema and created characters that really reflect in the everyday like in this film black people are not presented in the traditional sort of binary of subservient or smiling or violent and dangerous but they're rather they're able to exist as more rounded expressions of themselves right and I, it's a, something that's been like a hallmark isn't because he doesn't always as we were talking with black Klansmen, he doesn't have a black and white view always of the world like he, he does understand totally. that there are shades that's, of that's, gray to people absolutely that's really really um there's, accurate with him there's numerous scene there's a scene in there with uh danny aiello and john Turturro where they are um just talking about like whether or not they are like one of their racial views and stuff and they're just kind of like i'm not racist well john Turturro is yeah. definitely racist in the film he, he is, but, they, but they they balance that out by having his brother be completely not that way yeah and be really good friends with Mookie and they even said that they did that with some costuming where like John Turturro wears like a white undershirt underneath and like his brother wears a black undershirt like all those little things that I miss every time in films <laughs> until I read about it and then I'm like ah, oh, okay like you, like you know it's hot today you probably should wear the dark undershirt just so people don't see you sweating <laughs> yeah. as much man wow it's fashion advice for I didn't you. even know and you know it's, this is a good film because it is um the movie that Barack and Michelle Obama saw on their first date. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's cute. That's kind of a funny little, uh, a funny little bit of trivia. And taking away just from like you know the magnitude of the film, how about the opening credits? Oh, like with the with no. Rosie Perez, her her like emotional dance of like to Public Enemies fight the power. At any time you can get some Rosie Perez in your movie, it's usually a good sign. For, the, for going forward, especially getting her dancing and stuff. I guess that took eight hours to film. She had like tennis elbow afterwards and her knees were all swollen because he, and that she how just. Long, how many hours? Eight. Wow. Eight hours. And it is just her dancing and she's just dancing. I've been like, hey, hey, Shelton, we got it, bro. <laughs> I don't think it would have been good to call <laughs> him that. Let's cut down on the eight <laughs> hours of dancing here. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy that film. It was uh, definitely controversial when it came out. Um, there Still was kind like of controversial today. Yeah, I, maybe a little less so, but definitely people were kind of speculating when it first came out that it was going to ignite violence. Mm. Um, but one of the main characters, so Radio Rahim, 
and he has that whole monologue about love and hate and how you know in the end love wins so i feel like that is spike's final message also can i add a little side note my friend calder who is an, an incredible artist and he makes giant things out of paper mache like things that look awesome he lives in la sometimes he leaves them all over the city and they like fool people and they'll be like there's a giraffe in the park oh. but he made a giant uh radio rahim one for an art show and spike lee came and loved it and bought it from him and my friend calder had to drive it to new york city to literally put it in spike lee's house that's pretty awesome it, it's super awesome it's just a giant you, you go, like, go find, find some spike lee documentaries about his life and it'll just be like here's my giant paper machine that would be really cool um so yeah i think the film it reignited interest in malcolm x and kind of encouraged encouraged a broader uh, cultural reappraisal of his ideals. Yeah. What which, a s- talk about being good at segues. That's a great one because that's the movie I was going to bring up next. Oh yeah, I mean that's a super that's super important one. And not to mention, I feel like after watching this film, a zillion teenagers became Public Enemy fans. Yeah, I think there's that's so much. I mean, he pretty much just plays the same song over and over um, throughout well, the whole thing. Is Radio Rahim is just walking with his giant radio on his shoulder just you know jamming out he was making a commentary on the how radio just plays the same song over and over and over again is that true of course they play him like on a loop every hour and a half you oh, the I didn't. same songs over and over again. oh but i didn't know that was like the commentary he was it, trying to make no, are you just it, making this up yeah i'm making that up. i cannot stand you why do i even i'm like wow jacob what a great thing that you just told technically, us technically i did drop some real information on you it just wasn't in the method that you expected it's my it's my uh my specialty move right there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me know when we can move on let me know when i can live again here because you're just you're killing me um so yeah it was pretty much snubbed by the academy awards when it came out um it that happens get, to spike lee a lot his stuff gets snubbed it does like i that danny aiello did i do go. it right thank you it. he was nominated for best supporting actor and i think it was nominated for best writing but it was not nominated for Best Picture. And what won Best Picture that year, I feel like, is a real kick in the teeth. Okay, what won 98, um, 89? Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, that movie's... Right? Oh. It's kind of it's kind of telling because it was like... And Spike Lee was like, oh, the subservient like black film was more appreciated than I black mean, people being black people. So. I don't want to say anything, but I'm like, you shrug your shoulders and be like... I mean, yeah, it's yeah more, that's exactly what happened that year. I don't know what to say. And, and I'm in. He made the better movie, too. That's another thing. Oh, he definitely made the better movie. And it really holds up now. And like I said, I just recently rewatched it. And it kind of sends chills down your spine just because of. Yeah, I can't stand looking at that fashion. I'm like, everything oh. is baggy. <laughs> there are so many bright colors. What the are they doing? The fashion kind of, I think, still looks awesome. But I just meant like. How things are still terrible, oh, Jacob. you mean the actual serious point, yeah. I can't, I can't stand you. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that is an absolute must check out. We talked about it so long, we're going to have to just like buzz through the rest of, of his films. That's what happens with Spike Lee movies. There's a lot to unpack when you're watching them. There's Absolutely. More, there's layers. They're like onions. There's right. different layers to unpack. So do you want to talk about Malcolm X next? Yeah, we might as well. It seems like the other really big one. Okay, so again, I'll, my quick synopsis in case you don't it, know what it, Malcolm X it's is It's good. About. It stars Denzel Washington. Yes, not his son. Oh, but his son is in this. In I read in Malcolm X. Really? Like, He's probably I, like one of Malcolm X's kids. Yeah, probably. so this movie is kind of a tribute to... Um, How old is John? Do we a minute. How old is he? Because that's like no, a 30... We'll have to go we'll have back to and dig into look this in guy. That. Now I'm fascinated. But it's the... Um, 
biography of black activist and leader for the struggle of black liberation. Um, it covers a lot of his life, like a little bit of childhood and then his imprisonment in the 50s where he sort of received the epiphany of joining the Nation of Islam. Um, and he's taken with the lessons of Elijah Muhammad, who comes to him in a vision. And then that's when he changed his name to Malcolm X and rejected his surname of Little because that was the name given to his family by slave owners. And it kind of sets the whole trajectory for um for his life and becoming a spokesman for the Nation of Islam until he wasn't. Until he wasn't when he actually went on a pilgrimage to Mecca and yeah. then realized everything I've been told is a lie. Yeah. And and then he finds out the real truth behind the Nation of Islam and he just loses all faith in him and oh. And then they they uh, kill him? <laughs> like Yeah, they straight they, up murder him. Don't, there's no need for the inflection. No, they straight I guess. up murder him <laughs> yeah. for that. And w- one thing interesting about the Mecca scene, that is the first non-documentary to ever be allowed to be filmed in Mecca. Which, I don't How did he pull that off? I, that's another I story no to dig I, into. I have no idea. Oh, and I think that you are also going to hate this so much. So Denzel Washington lost the Best Actor Oscar that year. Oh. And you know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it makes you crazy to Al Pacino and oh. Scent of a Woman. Oh, my God. That Look, makes Jacob so mad. I was talking about this the other day, and the fact that uh, he has an Oscar for Scent of a Woman, it just aggravation. <laughs> I can't pull up who all was nominated that year. I will get back to everybody on that. Uh, but I remember he was not the only one that I was like, what? Al Pacino. The the oh performance no. that Why turned Al Pacino into the parody that is Al Pacino 2018. I know, oh, my God. I know. We don't have time. Let's, I'm gonna, we need to get back. Let's on talk about good things like how a lot that you get from this film. Like there's some familiar shots that look like Scorsese's Goodfellas, um, the kind of autobiographical voiceover narration and a lot of the freeze frame. And that is because Martin Scorsese taught Spike Lee filmmaking at NYU. Did he really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so they're like, yeah, they're really good friends. And he was really inspired by his work. So I was like, oh, that that makes a lot of sense. I really like Malcolm X. I think it's a really good movie. The perform Denzel Washington performance is flawless in this movie. It's the movie that made him a true superstar. Oh, yeah, he's great. Got He's him great. off that self el- Saint Elsewhere bandwagon that he was riding and made, made the me. real the real Denzel, who I think ends up doing like at least four movies with Spike Lee over his career. Oh yeah, He's Got Game, uh, Inside Man, this one, probably one isn't other. Chrissy in Crooklyn. He might. I be. don't think he's in Crooklyn. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally positive. But again, so Spike Preacher's Lee, wife, maybe super good. Is that Spike Lee? Preacher? I don't know, but that was the first, <laughs> it just popped into my head. Anyway, of the South Side. Spike Lee, that's a great film and great at putting human beings on the screen and asking the audience to kind of walk in their shoes. Yeah. So and to not bring your judgments into the movies. I think that's a problem that a lot of people have with Spike Lee is they automatically assume that all his movies are going to be they have an assumption of what his movies are going to be before they go in and see him. I think they they think it's going to be him kind of congratulating the black people in the audience and condemning the white people in the audience but and it is not that it's never been that. If no. you watch his movies, there's there's both sides in every mm-hmm. movie that he makes. Like there is blame, human. there's blame on both sides for everybody. Like he points this out numerous times. If you it says something more about your bias if you just kind of assume that that's what his movie's going to be before you even even check it out. Damn, you know what you get for that, Jacob? <laughs> it, w- it was all worth it. It was all worth it just to get the trumpet you're back. Just served 
shit so much. Okay, we totally have to move on, and we're going to talk about two movies this episode. So let's try to stick a couple more in. I have to talk about Inside Man. Love, love that movie again. That is one of my favorites. That is such a good movie. Saw that movie, didn't know what it was, just went to go see it, ended up loving it. Like, oh. a heist movie, Clive Owen? Count me in. So, yeah, so Denzel again, he's the cop, and he matches wits with the most perfect bank robber ever and perfect face owner, Clive Owen. Um, I'm going to agree with you on that. guy's got a good jaw. He's got a good, (laughs) solid jaw. Um, But there's a hostage crisis, and um, Jodie Foster appears. She's like this mysterious power broker. She has kind of a hidden agenda. Um, But it's a really energetic and clever bank heist thriller. Oh, it's very clever. Like, the ending is... It's just great. It's one of those better ones that you're going to see out there. You have no idea what they're even trying to steal until the end of the movie. Like, yeah. they do a really good job of kind of keeping that under wraps, and you're just like, oh, I didn't know what was happening. They spend so much time on the setup, and then the payoff is just great. The, the way they suck you in to, like, misdirect what you're paying attention to in the mean, whole movie. I mean, the script is written really well because they they definitely outthink the audience. Mm-hmm. And, like, now I feel like films that over-explain things, you're like, I got it. You don't have to tell me everything. Yeah, like, I can figure some of the things out. We don't need the voiceover, guys. Come on. Yeah. And, I mean, what a star-studded film. You have, like, Denzel Washington, Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer. Those are Oscar winners. Yeah. And then Oscar nominees, Clive Owen, Willem Dafoe, and Chewy Tell Edgio for, So. And is before he was Chewy Tell Edgio for. Well, I think he was that person, but he just wasn't famous at all. Um, But yeah, there's, and I really like, there's like different races of people that are held hostage in the bank that they kind of end up releasing and police are like, what's going on? So they're kind of interviewing um, Makes the the movie feel bigger when you have like people different, like different supporting actors and different bigger supporting characters. And I think he uses that too for little lessons on racism in America, which... You know, I mean, it's not going to be a Spike Lee movie without a little bit of lecturing, sure. but he does it really well and with humor, and we're all, you know, we're all kind of in it together. Yeah. Okay, so that's a great film. Oh, and something that I love is, you know, when they send pizza to the hostages in there, like, while they're waiting? Yeah. Uh, the pizza definitely comes from a place called Sales. Of course. The name of the pizzeria from Do the Right Thing. Is it, well, of course. I, mean, I where else love are you gonna it. Get it from? Super good. Um, all right, we're going over, but I don't know, we want to mention... Um, should we just stop or should we do more? We'll throw out the names. Like, check out his documentary, Four Little Girls, or When the Levees Broke, about uh, <sighs> the New Orleans flood if and just wanna, the like, church bombings. Feel really. Like we really said, he's sad. an amazing documentarian. Anything, any, anytime he does documentaries, they're worth checking out. The movie Twenty Fifth Hour, I think, was an underrated film starring Ed Norton, Norton, based on the book by David Benenoff, who is the co-creator of Game of Thrones. Another. F- Fun little. Um, I mean side that note. seriously, um, and Ed Norton is really—he's really great in that movie. Check he out, just implodes. Um, check out Clockers, this movie that ended up uh, based on the book that was created for The Wire. The Wire is based, or the Clockers is just The Wire version one. Oh, I don't even know that. Yeah, it's a fun uh, Mackay Pfeiffer <laughs> movie back in the day. Everything you say is fun. Isn't it though? Um. All right. So we should wrap it up. Do a plug, and I'm gonna give you terrible facts. Oh. <laughs> so. They're the best kind. <laughs> so remember, everything that you hear on All Booked Up is gonna be available at your local library. So just stop on by and pick it up. We have 37 branches and a bookmobile all over Erie County. Beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we fell into a Beatles song there for a second. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so. And then, uh, yeah, if we don't have it, just ask. We'll have it sent to you. And uh, don't forget to listen to All Booked Up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all your SoundCloud. Fun, SoundCloud, all of your favorite streaming sites today. Just come in in the morning while we do it and stare at us. So you can hear it live. You um, wouldn't be the only one. So I wanted to do facts about how it's our 50th episode. Um, so I was trying to come up with facts about the number 50. Oh boy. Which is I don't, not I don't like. I don't like where this is going. Because it's just a number. But I'll let you know, in case you didn't, that the number of letters in 50... Another 50. Equals the sum of the digits in 50. So 5 plus 0. Wow. But not too many numbers have this property in English. So it's kind of exciting. Um, the Earth has roughly 50 times the volume of the moon. Hmm, look at you impressed. And if you use all seven of your letter tiles in Scrabble Play, you earn an extra 50 points. <laughs> wow, see, you got me in full Owen Wilson mode. Oh, wow. wow. So wow. I feel like I really expanded everybody's mind today. <laughs> so again, as always, thank you so much for li- listening. I can't even talk to us ramble and stutter. Well, and I always say words wrong, and we appreciate that it. Is, that's what makes you so endearing. <laughs> I can't. I'm garbage. All right. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Bye.